This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you once again for joining us. And it is an absolute honour to have Dr. Naomi Wolf back with us once again. Naomi, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. I really love talking to you on this show. Absolute honour to have you on. And in case our viewers don't know, Dr. Naomi Wolf is a, a best-selling author, columnist, professor, graduate of Yale, and actually got a doctorate from Oxford here in the UK. Co-founder and CEO of DailyClout.io. The link there is on the bottom, along with at Dr. R. Naomi R. Wolf, which is her get her account as she's too toxic for Twitter, which maybe we'll touch on a little bit. Uh, but you can follow her there on Getter and also on dailyclout.io and her latest book, which I think Naomi was with us talking about that just before the summer, is The Body of Others, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19 and the War Against the Human. That was published May 2022. I read it cover to cover, thoroughly enjoyed it, and I would recommend to all our viewers and listeners to get hold of it. It's available in hardback form, or you can download it directly uh, wherever you normally get books. So get a copy of that. Um, Let's start in... uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf, and earlier today, actually, you posted uh, on Getter, frustrating not to be able to respond. I was deplatformed in July 2021 for posting Dr. Barrick's CV showing this work. And this is, again, I didn't know who Dr. Ralph Barrick was, many names that I think uh, we are all learning about. But it seems though he, from my limited research, was actually doing research and uh, in the 80s and 90s was looking how coronavirus induced myocarditis, which is wow. So you sit back, but you had put information about him out and that was the reason why you got removed from Twitter. Do you just want to touch on that as you've just put that up today? So it is uh, quite recent, certainly in your mind. Yeah, I thank you. I, um, I'd like to expand on it uh, because the truth is there, there's no way to know exactly why I got deplatformed. This, yeah. I know that 24 hours after posting it, I was deplatformed, but the America from Twitter, uh, and then there was this sort of global smear campaign, which extended, you know, to newspapers I've written for for decades, like The Guardian, um, mm. extended around the world, certainly to the UK. Uh, and I do know that uh, America First Legal, I'm sorry, yes, America First Legal um, did a Freedom of Information Act request and found that the CDC's Carol Crawford of digital outreach was coordinating with Twitter's policy official. Mm. Uh, and, and selected out a tweet of mine, which was not related to this, but was also okay. thoroughly accurate, um, which was warning about women experiencing menstrual dysregulation after receiving the mRNA injections. So it could be, it, you know, it could be any of, of these tweets. Um, you know, it's all kind of chronologically at the same time. And we'll know more in discovery because I'm suing Twitter, uh, of course. However, the barrack, the barrack issue is really important for people to understand. Um, and you're absolutely right that, you know, going back to, I, I, I believe people surfaced this recently, the 80s or 90s, he was looking at inducing myocarditis in rabbits. That's right there on his CV. Um, I posted like a 31-page CV that my husband, who's a private investigator, Brian O'Shea, had located pretty easily. It was a public document. Mm. Um, and But it also put put together the pieces of how Barrick had, I mean, it's quite terrifying, had been experimenting with rat, I'm sorry, bat coronaviruses in 11 locations in the United States, including in Maryland. So he was, he was experimenting with the very things that, you know, led to the outbreak uh, of the coronavirus in Wuhan here in the United States. And, um, What's also clear from his CV and other records that I identified, uh, NIH documents, if you put together the timeline, is that when Barack Obama uh, outlawed essentially gain-of-function research, Mm. uh, I believe that was 217, there was a conference in which Barrick was kind of the moderator about gain-of-function, 
right? Like his CV says right there, gain of function, gain of function, gain of function, right? And it also shows millions in funding from Dr. Fauci, which again, Dr. Fauci had had tried to pretend hadn't happened. Hmm. Um, but what's clear from that seminar is that kind of the key deciders uh, at that point um, sort of agreed that they couldn't do gain of function research anymore in the United States. So they were just offshoring the same experiments hmm. to Wuhan. And so, uh, I'm sorry, the bat lady, um, Dr. G. Uh, darling, what is that? How do you say the bat lady's name in Xi Jingli? Thank you. I'm going to say that again. How does you wish? Um, the bat lady, Xi Jingli, the scientist at the Wuhan lab, which is run by the Chinese Communist Party, literally just picked up Dr. Barrick's work and, and continued to coordinate with him and collaborate with him. So that's. That's the importance of Dr. Barrett. And it, basically, when gain of function basically is, in effect, weaponizing, in effect, taking something which is there and making it even more dangerous. And the crazy that you mentioned that was all, I guess, normal research on U.S. soil. We hear about these kind of biolabs, but it was actually there on the U.S. Well, I don't think anyone knew that this kind of gain of function research was taking place in the U.S. until there was an outcry, okay. and I remember it in about two, 2017, and a, a group of very distinguished uh, scientists, I think, from around the world, wrote a letter, but certainly in the United States, wrote a letter saying, this should not be done, it's too dangerous, mm -hmm. and Barack Obama did the right thing. He outlawed it, but that did not stop Dr. Fauci, it did not stop Ralph Barrick. And um, I just thought it was really notable that Eric's CV, which has all of this in black and white, and by the way, his CV, his public CV has been redacted since uh, I posted it. And I also had a video of Brian kind of explaining his CV. It got like 75,000 views before I was deplatformed. Um, let's move on to Daily Cloud. And one of the huge endeavors I think you've been involved in there at Daily Cloud has been the Pfizer data dump. And I think when it first came out, 80,000 pages, uh, so so I read. And we all were told that this information they wanted to hide has, has now come out. But that is a huge amount of data. You've been part of that, uncovering that, working through sorting that. Tell us about that, because that sounds like a humongous job For, yes uh fortunately i'm just the reporter um it, the actual heavy lifting is being done by this extraordinary i mean i've never seen anything in the history of kind of journalism mm. slash crowd civic endeavor um 3500 now uh distinguished experts um from wow. from many backgrounds ranging from physicians and rns to biostatisticians medical fraud investigators, um, uh, lab clinicians, uh, people with many, many important skill sets have, have volunteered to read through these documents. And it was 80,000 initially. And, and when we say documents, some of them are like one document is like 3,400 pages long in some cases. So you've got to imagine the scale of that. Um, but they're releasing about 50,000 a month uh, on the first of the month. We just recently got a new tranche, which they you know, cleverly um, released in a, a format that has to be machine read and translated, which one of our volunteers has stepped up and created a tool to do. Um, but these amazing volunteers, and many of them interestingly are retired physicians because nothing can hurt them now. They can't mm. be delicensed, they can't be silenced. Whereas um, physicians in America, and I'm sure in, in the UK as well, in Australia are being threatened with and actually losing their licenses if they speak up about any of this. Uh, but this group of uh, amazing volunteers has been reading through and then uh, creating reports based on what they're finding in the Pfizer documents. And I've taught them, um, which is in itself pretty exciting, how to translate um, technical, medical, or scientific language into what anyone can understand, lay, you know, lay journalism. So there are 37 reports now up on Daily Cloud, and these volunteers have identified headlines ranging from, I mean, earth-shaking journalism, hmm. you know, ranging from Pfizer knew a month after rolling out the injection, the mRNA injection, that it didn't work, that it yeah. had a vaccine failure, 
uh, and weaning efficacy, which of course people weren't informed about till April mm. of the following year through an Israeli study. Um, Pfizer had to hire 2,400 new full-time employees to deal with the flood of reports of adverse events that they were receiving. Um, Pfizer knew that a week after being injected with the mRNA vaccines, 35 minors sustained heart damage, but they they got the emergency use authorization from the FDA mm. anyway for teenagers to be injected and parents were not informed of heart damage risk till four months later. Um, but what we're getting, and I could go on and on, I mean, each of these is a shocker, right? I mean, just the scale of the adverse events, it's over mm. 42,000 adverse events in just three months, right? And And what you, like now, I feel like I'm carrying around this burden of knowledge that I, I wish I could share with everyone because all around me, I see people suffering or dying from these adverse events, but they don't know that it's a vaccine injury and their doctors are, you know, scared to death to tell them they're not telling them, the nurses are not telling them. So, you know, it's, it's massive neurological harms, like massive brain brain damage, <clears throat> pardon me, encephaly, hemorrhages, and massive kinds of um, blood damage, blood clots, lung clots, uh, leg clots, um, vascular problems, thrombocytopenia, mm. um, incredible amounts of things you wouldn't expect, like joint pain, you know, and, and I, I, I've loved ones, healthy young people who are mm. like limping or, you know, harmed and don't know why. Um, muscle pain, myalgia is the second most common side effect. And I know at least two, again, healthy people in the middle of their lives who now have disabling muscle pain that they you know, don't understand, can't explain. Um, it's, it's just a stunning amount of, of, of harm. But I guess where, where I'd like to fast forward to, because, you know, I could talk to you for hours and not cover the headlines that these people have broken that the, mm. the media is ignoring. Um, but what's really critical is that in May of 2022, this year, one of our teams, Team 5, identified that there were over 78% uh, in one section of the Pfizer documents miscarriage rate. Um, that, that in, I mean, it's crazy science, right? 207 women got pregnant in the trials, even though pregnant women were supposed to be excluded from the trials. And can I, can I can I just if people go on Daily Cloud, they one of your latest articles is well a couple of days ago I think here's why the COVID vaccine should be banned for pregnant women so people can go and they can begin to go through this data there in short easy to read articles that have all the links on it. Correct. I believe that one may be Dr. McCullough talking about our work, but it's got our work in there yeah. and it clicks right through to our work. So thank you so much. But um, just to wrap up, because uh, I know I you know this is a subject I'm. I'm you know, I feel like I, we're in a race against time to mm. let humanity know before before humanity is impaired kind of permanently. What has emerged since that May fifth, uh, I'm sorry, May 2022 analysis of miscarriages, um, which has been confirmed abundantly by other people like Dr. Pierre Corey. I do want to note that one of our volunteers made a math error in another report that we immediately corrected, but that got AP and Reuters to pay attention. You know, an, an error that no longer existed. The major news wires covered it, but all of this evidence of harm to women abundantly documented, independently confirmed they they are not covering it. But what you know, I've asked the volunteers to drill down in and see what else is going on with with women, because obviously, if you have reports of menstrual dysregulation that are now predictably confirmed by NIH studies, women's yeah. menses are messed up. You know, you're going to have fertility problems and other health problems. So. What we've seen since that study is a 360 degree attack in the Pfizer documents on human reproduction. And I can pause there before going on, or I can give you some examples. Well, yeah, and just I think I read about uh, the CDC recommendation for the COVID shot. Uh, I think it still is people who are pregnant. Uh, those are probably women who are pregnant, but anyway, breastfeeding, trying to get pregnant now or might become pregnant in the future, they all are recommended to get it. And the CDC further recommends people who are pregnant should stay up to date with their COVID vaccines. That's the thing which really blows me away, that there is information out there. Instead of putting a pause on it, it's just carry on business as usual. And I guess that's, you've talked about the mainstream media, the legacy media, picking up uh, whenever there is an error in the reporting, but not actually picking up on the mass of factual data that points towards something very, very bad. 
Indeed. And and this includes the, the feminist press. I mean, this includes women's health advocates who have mm. you know, been out front for decades on thalidomide and, you know, silicone breast implants and anorexia and bulimia and, you know, estrogen levels being too high in birth control pills. It's not as if we don't know that pharma can hurt women. We have decades of knowing that pharma can hurt women. Um, but that that has not that has not been picked up on the, the massive amount of miscarriages. But in addition, uh, you know, and, and they're going full speed ahead. And it, uh, Peter, I think you and I talked already about my theory of the case about this otherwise imponderable why, right? Why if, if you know, babies are dying, yeah. you know, and, and women's menstrual cycles are being, I mean, as a woman, I'm just so angry that that's being trivialized. You know, Dr. Patch is like, yeah. well, that's temporary. It's not, it's not temporary. And it's a huge big deal that the average woman's breast um, menstrual cycle is a month. Uh, I'm sorry. It, have more coffee. It is a huge big deal that the average woman's menstrual cycle is a day longer a yeah. month. And, and there are like 20 different names <clears throat> in Dr. Robert Chandler's latest report about women sustaining two thirds of the adverse events, and of those 16% of them are, are reproductive disorders, but there are like 20 plus different names in the Pfizer documents for, pardon me, fucking up women's menstrual cycles. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can edit that as you like, but there, there are 20 different scientific names yeah. for how they ruined the cycles of women. Um, but, but moving on to, you know, even scarier harms, the lipid nanoparticles, which are these industrial fats. Pregnant women were told that they can't cross the placenta, they can't yeah. hurt the baby, the material stay in the injection site. Lies, and Pfizer knew it, and the FDA knew it, and the CDC knew it. Um, Dr. Fauci probably knew it, Rochelle Walensky knew it, your NIH no doubt knew it. They don't stay in the injection site. Two studies, and Dr. Chandler shows this in one of his uh, reports, leave the injection site within 15 minutes, and they end up in the adrenals, the spleen, the liver, but also in the ovaries. And Dr. Chandler, who, by the way, is a distinguished peer reviewer, mm. a distinguished sports medicine physician, treated the Lakers and the Angels and you know, other famous teams. He shows how in the Pfizer documents, these lipid nanoparticles and spike protein and mRNA accumulate in the ovaries like this, but they don't leave right? There's no evidence that they leave. Yeah. There's no mechanism for them to leave. So you get your first shot like this, your second shot like this, your booster, even more, your second booster, even more, all of this material is accumulating in women's ovaries. And, and you only have so many eggs, right? As a woman, you, they, you don't make new eggs. You have all the eggs you're born with when mm -hmm. you're born as a baby girl. So this clearly is, is, you know, part of what's damaging women's cycles and their fertility, but let's go on to the placenta. The lipid nanoparticles traverse every membrane in the human body. They traverse the placenta. And, and so you're getting these industrial fats coated with polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum product. Mm. Um, and it's going into the amniotic fluid and it's going into the baby's environment. Uh, and what we're seeing, and this is also confirmed by anecdotes, but I pay attention, as I've said elsewhere, to anecdotes with women's health, because pardon me, often you know, scientists and, and, and the medical establishment mm. will ignore it or lie about it, but women will tell each other, nurses yeah. will tell each other, especially if it's like things that are hard to talk about, like miscarriage um, or, or, or reproductive failure. So nurses are saying that they have to induce uh, vaccinated women early because the placenta is so compromised. And that literally makes sense to me. And Dr. Jim Thorpe, who's an obstetrician, gynecologist, fetal medicine um, physician, has shown an image that he says is something he's seeing frequently, which is this compromised placenta. And he says that those that netting, <clears throat> which is not supposed to be there, is calcifications from inflammation. And what you mm -hmm. see over and over in the Pfizer documents is that these, these materials in the body cause inflammation. Um, so so this is the, the you know this is one mechanism of the many mechanisms of harm to you know fetuses and to pregnancies that we're seeing now let's go on to the global so i've I've, I've just put on the screen that um that image from dr jim thorpe and um i i've seen you do a number of uh videos on that and that is quite and he actually talks about the the dark node on the right could actually be a blood clot as well 
Yes, he does say that. Wow. Yeah. wow. I'm not a synod, you know, I'm not an ultrasound expert, yep. so I can't judge, but I do know I've been, you know, I've had two babies. I've, you know, you look at normal, you know, ultrasounds, that is not, that is not normal. And, and, you know, the, the difficulty with, with this kind of evidence is that people risk a great deal to bring it to light. So you can't do normal journalism, right? You can't do normal journalism of calling the hospital or calling the sonographer um, because we're kind of in a Soviet style Samizdat environment in which people, you know, risk everything just to get the truth out or just to get evidence out. Mm. Um, so as a journalist, you know, we, we, we give, I give space to Dr. Thorpe because he's, a credible person, you know, who's respected in his field. Um, do I wish I could interview the ultrasound uh, uh, expert? You know, yes. Um, do I wish I had a dozen more images like that that I could, you know, compare them to? I've got a call out. I mean, I'm literally soliciting nurses and 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 ultrasound, you know, uh, experts to um, leak on background to me because we have to kind of do guerrilla journalism, but leaving, you know, putting that out there. It's a very disturbing image. It needs more, you know, it needs more. These are stories that need more documentation, more investigation. Um, you know, can other, I mean, what does ACOG say about it, right? I mean, the Associated Press should be calling the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists and saying, you know, do you have any evidence that lipid nanoparticles do not traverse the placenta? Please show it to us. Because no one does, right? There is no evidence that it's safe. Um, let me briefly go on. The, uh, the the birth rate around the world is dropping. Uh, Igor Chudov has documented uh, in from government databases in country after country. And to my horror, there's a group of um, Scottish women, and I used to live in Scotland, uh, who are demanding answers for why there's such a high miscarriage rate and neonatal death rate in mm. Scotland. So the BBC reluctantly even had to uh, confirm the fact that there's a, what they call a spike in newborn deaths in Scotland, highly vaccinated Scotland. Well, it's not a spike, it doubled, right? This is the kind of gobbledygook that people are getting in Britain instead of actual journalism. It doubled. And I believe the Scotsman or the Scottish Herald reported that it doubled. Those, that's, that is the, the fact that it doubled. It may be worse than that. I haven't seen the, the databases, but you know, these are public databases and the Scottish people should demand them. You know, they own those public databases. Well, Scotland, you know, I love that country. It's a healthy country. It's got medical care. It's got good nutrition. You know, there is no, if, if suddenly twice the number of babies are dying than in a normal year, mm. something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is causing that. And the fact that Everyone is not, you know, dropping everything to find out why the babies of Scotland are dying in, you know, extraordinary numbers. Uh, it is is grotesque to me. But you see similar patterns around the world. Um, 86 babies in Ontario, according to one physician, died when they usually expect five or six neonatal deaths. And Etana Hecht, uh, an Israeli journalist, journalist who's very good on these issues, has reported that in a hospital in Haifa, uh, vaccinated moms have a 34% higher miscarriage and neonatal death rate than vaccinated moms. Um, so again, you know, why are, why are, why is every news outlet not checking? Is this true? Is this happening elsewhere? What's happening to birth rates? You know, what's happening to, to, to records um, for births? You know, are they normal? Uh, moving on to other, many other ways, like the creepy thing about the Pfizer documents is that Pfizer is looking at reproduction again and again and again. They define exposure to the vaccine, Peter, as including sexual intercourse, especially at the moment of conception. They, def they define it that way, right? One reason the CDC, the, uh, CDC colluded with Twitter to deplatform me is that I raised the question of shedding. Pfizer documents shedding in their own internal records and doesn't tell us that it, they define shedding as including ejaculation. The men they allow into their study, the men have to promise if they're having intercourse with childbearing age women, the men have to promise to abstain from intercourse or to use a condom and a highly effective contraceptive in addition to a condom. 
That's how worried Pfizer was about vaccinated men having sex with childbearing age women. Not only that, like this is just mind blowing stuff. Not only that, um, in a rat study, and again, the assurance that women were safe, pregnant women being injected was based on an internal study of 44 French rats followed for 42 days. It was not human women. The, the baby fetal rats were sacrificed. Doctors said they were fine. The doctors and scientists who did the study were employees and shareholders of Pfizer and BioNTech. Um, but going back to the e e ejaculation issue, another section of the Pfizer documents shows that Pfizer sacrificed male and female rats. They injected the females, not the males. Mm -hmm. They then examined the reproductive tissue cells of the males and the females, meaning you know genitals and ovaries and testes and so on. And then they said it was safe for men. In other words, they hadn't injected the male rats. They checked the male rats' testes and said it was, and, and, and genitals and reproductive systems, and said it was safe for human males. Okay. Wow. And, and the most recent shocker, and, and this is so Mengele ish at this level, and I, I'm Jewish and the granddaughter of a woman who lost a lot of siblings in the Holocaust, so I don't say that lightly, lightly mm. but Amy Kelly is the project director. She has a, a report up. Um, about harms to baby boys and and young boys and teenage men. And basically the lipid nanoparticles, of course, since they cross every membrane, cross into the testes mm -hmm. and they inflame the epididymis and they inflame the uh, Leydig cells and the Sartoli cells. I believe I have those names correct. The point is the epididymis is where, is what you need to basically you know, impregnate a woman successfully, right? Um, but the Sartoli cells and the Leydig cells go to human uh, masculinity, right? Normal development as a human adult male. So, at you know, there's this drive to inject babies six months and older. So what Amy Kelly has found is that the actual kind of mechanism for generating secondary sex characteristics in human males, like, you know, deep voice and body hair and, you know, maybe aggression, who knows, you know, but like, you know, masculine qualities are being messed up by, by these injections. And we know from the journal Andrology that uh, sperm counts drop, you know, when men are injected and that sperm motility is hampered. But this goes even beyond that. This isn't just about like, maybe you won't be as fertile, maybe it'll be harder to you know have a baby if you want to have a baby with a woman if you're a man this goes to like actually changing the morphology of of human males who are who are growing up and making it more difficult for them to like we don't even know what they're going to turn out to be we, we don't know we just know that the 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 kind of the factory of masculinity in the male body is being damaged by these injections um and i could go on and on but the bottom line is you know, because we talked about this last time, that my theory of the case based on original reporting I've done showing that the Chinese Communist Party owns the technology of these injections and yeah. is manufacturing them in the United States. Um, and you can see my substack face in the beast for that. But it is absolutely clear from this amount of documentation that the CCP has, and whoever they're working with, the World Economic Forum, maybe the Gates Foundation, certainly, you know, Fauci, has created a bioweapon and that it's it's one thing it does is kill people slowly and the second thing it does is sterilize the next generation wow i've i think you've put up as well about um that it seems to affect more people so adverse reactions in uh, north america in western europe when you look at data of course, there the other argument could be, well, other countries don't keep data, but no, I'm sure if enough money is put into a health system in developed countries that there will be proper records and data. But it does seem to have a, a spike, a negative effect on those in certain parts of the world than others. Um, and that kind of fits with this is a targeted, I guess, targeted weapon to affect certain countries differently than other countries. Yes, I mean, two people who would say that I would um, pretty firmly push back because those are not government 
numbers. Those are mm. Pfizer's numbers. And one thing Pfizer did in the documents, which is pretty telling, is that they don't um, include the total number of people around the world that were injected, even though they, they have that information, yeah. of course, because um, a, a really interesting report that's coming out shortly by Dr. Chris Flowers on our team is, you know, shows the usual chain of custody or the, the lawful chain of custody of a pharmaceutical product, like that injection. And that in iteration after iteration, the normal checks, the normal guarantees that it's clean and it's safe and it is what it's supposed to be and it's the right dose were thrown out the window around the world with these injections. But um, Pfizer knows how many they, mm. you know, put into people. That number is missing from the documents. However, uh, that database is their own database. It's their own tally of adverse events from around the world. So it is very telling that, you know, as, as we discussed probably last time or what you're referring to is the essay where I point this out, um, 34,000 plus of the 42,000 adverse events are in the United States. Wow. The second biggest tranche is in Western Europe. And to mm. me as a political analyst, what's really interesting about the breakdown is it literally breaks down alongside political importance of those countries. Uh, UK is number one, Germany, France, yeah. um, then Italy, Spain, Greece. I mean, it's like it's like the EU kind of table uh, of 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 economies and and countries of political importance. You know, you could also say populations, but I just think it's really a, a non-random kind of breakdown. And then all the other fifty-six countries in the world add up to only seven thousand injections. Even though Pfizer, with its um, partner, Fosun Pharmaceuticals, run by the CCP, Fosun Pharma uh, boasted in their own press release that they created a billion injections. So, you know, those are not going to the United States and Western Europe alone. They're going around the world. So there is a differential outcome concentrated in China's existential adversaries. Um, and, and this fits in with what we've talked about and what I spell out in my book, The Bodies of Others, which is this is a war on the West. And it's a mm -hmm. war on not just Western economies, but more important, Western ideologies, Western populations, Western civilization. And what's very clear, and I really, again, have to credit my husband who spent 12 years in military intelligence um, and, and you know subsequently in the world of intelligence for this, um, China wants our land and our water and our energy supplies, they don't want our population. Mm. So this is the perfect weapon, you know, and just because a whole nation or a whole set of nations has never been taken out before through um, adulterated medical products, you know, history shows that people are stupid if they think just because something has never been done before, it can't be done, you know, and, and the National Socialists really pioneered um, controlling and harming populations through uh, hygiene discourse and through a pharmaceutical and physician-centric uh, discourse where physicians were the gatekeepers to, you know, ship away the impaired kids and they just never came back. Um, and we're hearing reports of that kind too, that, that hospitals, I just did an interview with uh, Dr. Henry Ely, who has found this um, in his in his research with two state senators, Senator Lincoln and Senator Thatcher, here in the United States, we're, we're hearing that, and we've seen that hospitals were reimbursed almost $40,000 for every COVID death. Um, and there are many, many reports of patients being allowed to die, basically. Uh, you know, not fed, um, not allowed to feed themselves, uh, dehydrated, left alone in a room, loved ones couldn't see them. Um, you know, a few people kind of escaped these conditions and, and lived to tell about it. I think with your NHS system, it would be harder to do that. Uh, I hope it's harder to do that, but you know, we are seeing kind of a, a, a multivalent genocide. Um, mm. And Dr. McCullough has said that in Northern Europe, he's seeing euthanasia type behavior as well. So yeah, clearly to me, um, the evidence is in, it doesn't make sense as medicine. It doesn't make sense as governance, right? Because the, the the administration that does this would never be reelected in a yep. democracy. It makes sense if you've got a captured 
White House in our case, captured by China. Um, right. And just go to Hunter Biden's laptop for that. And, 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 and it's also the last thing I'll say about this is that it's very easy to take people out by manipulating things as, big, as simple as the brand with Moderna being twice as lethal, three times as lethal as Pfizer or the dilution or the room temperature. Mm. So you can literally choose, you know, and that, that's why the vaccine passports are so scary because then you can, you can literally create a hit list and yeah. take the leadership of the country out just through, you know, the medical process. Yeah. Wow. Uh, follow, I mean, following on from some of that, one of the, again, one of your latest stories, I think it might have been just out two days ago on dailyclout.io is, despite incomplete safety trials, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, grants full approval to Pfizer-BioNTech uh, community for adolescents 12 to 15 years of age. Um, again, there's that, that's what, there's no pause on this. There's no let's hold off. And Again, we are always told that actually children are at a lower risk, and yet, uh, and we are the fear has dropped. We don't see people dying in the street if that ever did happen, but it's not been pushed now. That so it's a different narrative. It's not that fear, and yet, uh, this is still being pushed for children. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, and this is why the volunteers' reports are so valuable. We as lay people and even, you know, as journalists, we don't know what's what's appropriate, you know, for checks and balances with mm. uh, an emergency use authorization. But uh, Dr. Flowers does know and did find out and, um, and has found, um, if we're talking about the same report, that, uh, that the usual checks and balances were just lifted to, and, 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 and this is being rushed into, into the bodies of teenagers. Well, again, I'm going to keep, and, and this is like, we have to do this over and over, right? There is no way to answer that question using normal logic, because yeah. what, what you just said is true, and it doesn't make any sense medically to inject teenagers <clears throat> with, without any you know, evidence something is safe uh, to protect them from a threat that doesn't exist in terms of serious COVID complications. Flip it again on its head. And the reason I keep saying flip it on its head, flip it on its head is as a political consultant, I was taught to look at events backwards, meaning yeah. political consultants always look at the goal they want. And then they go to the message team to have the message guys come up with a narrative to get people to accept that goal. Hmm. Always. So I always think, you know, qui bono, you know, like what's the, what's the, what's the outcome here? Right. Well, if you see the data showing that the, reproductive capacity of both little girls and little boys is going to be ruined by these injections, yeah. then you have your answer, you know, yeah. like why, why, why? Right. And some of them will die. Right. I mean, I think there's just been a hideous report showing that um, a substantial number of kids have, have serious adverse events after they've been injected. Um, I, you know, <laughs> A report came out of Thailand, I believe, showing you know myocarditis at a level in, in teenagers that had never been acknowledged by the CDC. Mm. And and when you see the Pfizer documents, you see that there no human teenagers are in these trials, right? They have no idea what would happen to kids. Um, I mean, it would be unethical to experiment on the teenage kids in the Pfizer documents. Yeah. It's rats, right? It's rats, and it's rats that are dying, or it's rats that are being kind of killed in 48 hours and then the scientists who all own stocks say it's fine it's fine let's give it to the human children mm. i mean that's what is in the pfizer documents people have to understand that so to your question i would say everything makes sense if you understand that these injections sterilize and, and ruin reproduction and they also ruin breast milk by the way so are these kids in 10 years going to be able to have babies and nurse them or are they going to be reliant on you know, Bill Gates, the Elon Musk's and Mark Zuckerberg's artificial womb subscription mm. service. I mean, that's, that's really what it looks like to me that, that these, these globalists are trying to disrupt and, and tech is, is a huge part of this. And the tech is a huge part of big tech is a huge part of what I analyze in the bodies of others. Cause I'm a tech CEO. So like I'm in this space, I know how these people think it is completely normal. For, for tech investors and tech um, platform developers to be like, 
they love the word disruptive. They they have no problem, and this is a theory in bodies of others. If you disrupt human expression and human communication, but in human communication by covering it with a mask, mm-hmm. then you drive everyone onto yeah. digital platforms where they can use emojis and you make a lot of money and they're mm-hmm. up 20% net revenue. We spoke about this, I believe. So why not disrupt like what a fantastic market people can have intercourse and have a baby and nurse it for free right no one's making money when people mm-hmm. have successful intercourse a woman gets pregnant she brings a baby to term and she feeds that baby with her own body tech guys have no entree there but just disrupt that process by ruining it and then hey you've got a market alternative um and, and there are other things like it plays into like, this is what I found with the bodies of others, right? There are multiple bad actors with aligned agendas that aren't identical, yeah. but, but multiple agendas are served by ruining the reproduction of the next generation of British and American kids. You yeah. depopulate, right? I was very reluctant to reach this conclusion that some people were saying early on, but now it's clearly about depopulation. Um, you can, you know, you, you open up vast new markets because people mm. need help conceiving, they need help gestating, they, you know, they have to buy baby formula that Bill Gates happens to have, you know, baby artificial breast milk, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Richard Branson happen to have launched BioMilk, you know, lab, lab-grown breast milk right when polyethylene glycol was getting into female breast milk from vaccines. It's a, you know, a petroleum product, as I mentioned. Um, babies, the, the percentage of mothers who nurse went in the, in the pandemic, meaning in the injection rollout, from 34% to 16%. Um, so fewer and fewer babies, or human babies, are going to have that incredibly important experience of nursing, you know, and, and let alone the physical protection for their immune system of colostrum, which is the, the first, you know, builds up their mm. immune system, the first, the first milk that a, a mom gives a baby. Um, so all of these disruptions are you know, serve China and serve the people who who want to open up new markets in biotech, you know, through um, impairing human reproductions and, you mm. know, they create a problem for which they themselves have the solution. Uh, but they also disempower people, right? Yeah. I mean, the CCP has a, a white paper, because um, they're very public about their plans, you know, showing that they intend to be the world's superpower by 2049, which mm-hmm. is the 100 year anniversary of the Chinese Communist Revolution, uh, and that one uh, methodology will be by hegemonizing the world's health, and they anticipate a world in which people are struggling with their health. So it's kind of genius, right? Rather than just feed people into ovens, you create a world in which people are sick, mm-hmm. and you know, the people who are left are sick and, and need the help of doctors all the time need the help of pharma all the time just to function. Um, yeah. And, and it, it's a, it, it's a highly effective way to, to control populations, to disempower people. Um, but I can't think of a more profound way to disempower humanity than to make it impossible for, for women to have babies. Can I ask you a political question as we're coming near an end? Do you think the midterms will fix the status where we currently are uh, in the West, or do you think it's this is too awful a subject? This is too horrendous. There are too many people implicated. There are too much money involved. Do you think all of that will go against, or are you hopeful that we may have a, a change of direction of questioning after the midterms? Right. Um, well, first, you know, I wrote the book The End of America in 2008 when it was Bush that was doing yeah. all the fascist stuff. And so just because there's a change of, um, of administration, you know, these things are nonpartisan. Mm. They transcend partisanship. Uh, as, as I think we discussed, it's Boris Johnson in your country. It's, yep. you know, the Biden administration, mine, left, right, doesn't matter. They're all on the same page at the meta yep. level. Um, but I think it could help, and I'm supposed to be nonpartisan, um, just it could help... Um, <laughs> Like, I think, let, let me say not left or right, but I think that the, the nationalist, you know, democracy-oriented, yep. medical freedom-oriented 
um, resistance that mm. you're seeing in Europe and in the United States helps, right? Yeah. And people, especially, I'm going to say this to a British audience, a, a big section of my book is about the EU and the propagandizing of the EU and how that mm. disempowered Europeans without their even knowing it created the context for a situation where everyone could be enslaved at a moment, you know, a moment's yeah. uh, bidding. Um, so part of that propaganda is to persuade Europeans that it's racist to want to be French or want to mm. be British or want to be German. Well, it's not racist, you yep. know, to be proud of your country if you're not racist, right? It's not racist to, to want national borders to be secure. Um, that is the only way you have a robust democracy uh, is a nation state. And just because nation states have done bad things in the past, you know, the answer is not to dissolve the nation state, but to yeah. create a just and, you know, whatever uh, fair um, nation state. But they're trying to propagandize people to abandon their culture and their native language um, to, to dissolve um, mm. national identities, because uh, that makes what they want to do easier. Where that goes in terms of midterm is that I think they're trying to do the same thing here by opening up the border. Again, I'm the daughter and granddaughter of immigrants. I believe in legal immigration, but yeah. that's not what this is. Yeah. This is an invasion. And that's not a, I mean, anti-racist, but it is just in terms of a nation state, an mm. invasion. And also there are moves that have been successful to give non-American citizens voting rights, yeah. which is a coup basically. Yeah. So I guess where I'm going is I, the midterms will make a difference if there's a populist resistance yeah. um, that holds the leader's feet to the fire. However, I will say I don't expect there to be a normal election. I don't think these people plan to hold a normal election. Hmm. I think the next two months are going to be very dangerous. Um, I expect an October surprise of some kind, God forbid. I expect a declaration of war yeah. um, to distract us or, or to create an emergency situation where we can't have an election or they have to be all mail-in ballots. So that's the immediate hurdle we have to overcome. Um, Naomi, I think we'll bring it to an end. I, I appreciate your time hugely. Thank you for coming along and sharing the work that you're doing, that Daily Cloud is doing, um, and updating our viewers with that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Peter. I appreciate you, and I appreciate parts of it. Thank you. Not at all. And so people can sign up to Substack as well and get those emails. Yes, and may you also please mention people they can order the bodies of others from Blackwells because I think there's a blackout at Waterstones and Blackwells of the bodies of others and people have to actively order it. They're not stocking it, even though it's a bestseller. Okay, well, um, uh, people will will get hold of it and we'll certainly put links up underneath. Uh, so <laughs> viewers, listeners, if you're listening on Podbean and the podcasting platforms, again, the links will all be there for you to click on. Yeah, just, 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 I've, one thing was on your getter, I just want to ask you, it's a, it's a, a, a personal one just to finish, and it was your pinned getter post, I thought I'd ask you. Um, I was looking down and I saw, oh, uh, Naomi's got a, a Bible verse <laughs> And um, as a Christian, I, I kind of stopped and thought, that's interesting. Coming in the UK where you don't mention anything about religion, that was Genesis 5.20, and uh, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Just to finish, can I just ask you why you put that up? I mean, well, you know, in, I, I have been kind of out with the fact that the pandemic, and this is part of my book, you know, forced me to talk about my belief that, yep. forced me to believe that we're in a battle between good and evil, yep. that has the spiritual dimension that, you know, human analysis can't fully account for. Um, and so I have been reading, I'm Jewish, I have been reading, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament again and again, because I'm scared to death, mm. you know, I don't see a way out of this without a higher power helping us. I don't. Mm. Um, so I guess I post just instinctively what resonates that day, but I've been posting quotes from both the Old and New Testament about, um, I guess about hope, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'm thinking about Noah, I'm thinking about Jonah, I'm thinking yeah. about, 
you know, all those times it was almost completely over and, mm. and we repented. I mean, this is a very Old Testament moment, right? Yep. We kind of have to repent, you know? I mean, I don't mean like, you know, I, I'm not Christian, so I don't mean like whatever that means to a Christian. Yep. Like, I mean, we've we've messed up, right? We're We've messed up even just on a human level, we're letting our fellow human beings be hurt or killed and not saying anything because we don't want to lose our jobs. So we're, we don't want to be like socially excluded. You know, we went along with ostracism and discrimination. Mm. We've messed up. Right. So I don't think we can survive the plans these evildoers have for us um, without help. So that's, it's kind of a, that one was kind of a wishful thinking. I hope, you know, I hope you're listening God because we really need your help. Oh, it's it's good to finish on that looking up and looking out and and having a a sense of hope because you're right if you just see what's in front of us it could be uh, quite dark and I always enjoy talking to people who have a faith and they have a, a different outlook and there is always hope lifting your eyes up to someone something higher or greater than us um, so thank you for that Th- thank you I hope that was okay asking you about your yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I I'm not, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just again, I'll thank our viewers and listeners again. Thank you so much for joining. Make sure and follow uh, Naomi on Getter and use dailycloud.io. And you can also uh, substack Body of Others. Make sure and get a hold of it, uh, either as hard copy or on Kindle or ebook. And you can sit and go through it. It'll be massively worthwhile. And I know it will also be something you want to pass on to others. So make sure and get reading it. And it can be a perfect Christmas present coming up for a few months. Why not give someone a little bit of understanding of help them open their eyes to what's happening. And the body of others is a perfect way of doing that. So on that... I will wish our viewers and listeners a wonderful rest of your day. And we will see you back at our next interview. This comes to you on Thursday, the what Thursday the 9th. Um, Thursday the 8th. Uh, we're recording this just two days earlier. So uh, we will be back with you on Saturday with another news review. So on that, I wish you a wonderful rest of your day and see you on Saturday. Thank you and goodbye. If you like what we do, Sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.